0: From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence. Powered by the research of Talkers magazine, the national conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison.
1: Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, June 27th through Friday, July 1st, 2022. It was a week of Supreme Court action on a number of fronts. Guns, the environment, immigration, a brand new justice, and continuing shockwaves over Roe v. Wade. Speaking of shockwaves, the January 6 hearing served up an 8 on the Richter scale. Have we got a show for you. Get ready for a powerful hour of black belt talk radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, we've got righties, and we've got fence-sitters. Please don't get angry. Just listen closely, and while doing so, maintain a degree of educated skepticism, regardless of whether or not you agree. We'll be joined by Kevin Casey at Talkers headquarters with a countdown of the 10 biggest topics of the week. Bill Brady in Phoenix, Arizona, with a border state view of the immigration crisis as well as the Russia-Ukraine war. Mark Simone in New York City on the terrifying rise in street crime in our urban centers. Victoria Jones in Washington, DC on the Hutchinson testimony. Todd Feinberg in Hartford, Connecticut on government failure. And Dr. Murray Sabrin in Fort Myers, Florida on the meaning of the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. Influential yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations and the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do a daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented noisy world where we try to avoid the modern day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Wrap. Heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations across the U.S. and the U.K., the past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information is gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. This week's program is being sponsored in part by C-Crane, makers and distributors of excellent radios that insiders in the radio business listen to. Check out their website and catalog at ccrane.com and use promo code Talkers22 for a limited 10% discount until July 31st. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week.
2: Thank you, Michael. At number 10, a four-way tie between big tech, social media, climate change, and Independence Day. Well, it's Independence Day weekend in America as we celebrate the 246th birthday of our great nation. There has been lots of conversation about the Declaration of Independence and the legacy of the founding fathers in the talk media all week leading up to this major summertime celebration. And
1: with it, lots of reflection of issues such as the First Amendment in the age of digital technology, censorship, and the erosion of privacy. Meantime, the Supreme Court's ruling on Thursday limiting Washington's authority to reduce carbon output from power plants gave fuel to the discussion of climate change.
2: At number nine, immigration. 53 migrants died in San Antonio in what's being described as the deadliest U.S.-Mexico border smuggling incident in history, after being trapped during sweltering heat in a tractor-trailer truck.
1: The victims of this gruesome tragedy included men, women, and children from Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras. Meantime, in another ruling, the Supreme Court gave President Joe Biden the green light to end the Trump era, remain-in-Mexico immigration policy, which allows officials to send non-Mexican migrants to Mexico to await the their U.S. immigration court hearings.
2: At number eight, race relations. Ketanji Brown Jackson was sworn in this week as the first black female Supreme Court justice in U.S. history.
1: Jackson is officially the third black person to sit on the Supreme
3: Court.
2: At number seven, COVID-19. Although the pandemic still officially exists and people are contracting its variants, the numbers in terms of hospitalizations and deaths continue to decrease.
1: Most of the talk media conversation about COVID-19 now focuses on the pros and cons of vaccinating young children as well as assessing the impact of the pandemic on our thinking and way of life.
2: At number six, the Russia-Ukraine war, NATO and foreign affairs. Vladimir Putin's bloody war machine continues to pummel Ukraine with deadly missile strikes on its civilian population as money and arms from the West continue to pour into the beleaguered former Soviet satellite.
1: Meantime, as President Biden conferenced with its leaders, NATO declared Moscow its main enemy and invited Russia's neighbors Sweden and Finland to join the alliance, further infuriating the paranoid Russian leader.
2: At number five, crime and guns. The execution-style murder of a young woman pushing a baby stroller on Manhattan's east side is but the latest of ongoing incidents indicating rising crime and violence in America's urban centers and stoking outrage among the citizenry against the police being handcuffed by increased regulations.
1: Not to mention criminals being let go by irrationally lenient district attorneys and a revolving door that puts dangerous offenders back on the streets. Meantime, on the heels of last week's landmark ruling expanding individual gun rights, the U.S. Supreme Court threw out several lower court rulings that had upheld gun restrictions, including bans on assault-style rifles in Maryland and large-capacity ammunition magazines in New Jersey and California.
2: At number four, abortion rights. Speaking of the Supreme Court, which you might have noticed has its fingerprints all over this week's Talkers survey, the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade has instigated a heated and widening emotionally charged schism between the left and right in the national conversation.
1: And it's the major focal point in the discussion of states' rights versus federalism that usually accompanies the Fourth of July holiday.
2: At number three, the economy. The same painful financial issues highlighted by runaway inflation hang heavy on the minds of Americans as we celebrate the nation's 246th birthday weekend.
1: Meantime, President Biden put much of the blame on- on Russia and has tried to assure Americans we really don't have it that bad when compared to the rest of the world. Based on his sinking approval ratings, these are hollow words falling upon increasingly deaf ears.
2: At number two, Partisan Politics and the Primaries. The pre-midterm election shuffling taking place from primary to primary is shaping up as a fascinating referendum on former President Donald Trump's increasingly uncertain power position within the Republican Party.
1: As we witness the rise of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as a viable alternative for the GOP nomination in 2024. While this is happening, Joe Biden has his problems among the Democrats, with more and more party insiders whispering the name Hillary Clinton and not Kamala Harris.
2: And at number one this week, the January 6 hearings. The bombshell testimony of Trump administration aide Cassidy Hutchinson rocked the nation and put a gigantic cloud over her former boss's defense against mounting evidence of significant wrongdoing in the Capitol riot and the events leading up to it.
1: Including his alleged role in purposefully trying to overturn a legitimate election, not to mention putting his vice president's life in severe danger. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison wrap. Immigration is always a huge part of the national conversation, especially on talk radio and double especially in states along the southern border. Let's check in with talk show host and radio station owner Bill Brady of our Phoenix, Arizona affiliate KFNX.
4: It is such a dominant issue that every campaign ad sounds alike and looks alike because whether it's 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 for the the governor's race or whether it's for the attorney general's race, it is all... Border, border, border! In how Arizona, in particular, uh, from those two positions, governor as, as, as well as uh, the attorney general, can use those offices to deal with the immigration issue.
1: What is the uh, the general tone of the uh, the people in in terms of uh, the immigration issue? Is, is it a burning issue, or is it being politicized by the candidates?
4: No, it's a burning issue. The, uh, the people in southern Arizona, and not even necessarily within 10 miles of the border, those people um, are, are overrun uh, with, uh, with people coming through their properties. Uh, there are uh, also people who are on what are known smuggling routes that could be 75, 80 miles from the Mexican border that have people uh, de- de- tearing through their property, have people damaging their property, de- damaging their crops and things like that. Uh, it's a big issue. And of course, the the other thing that uh, – and I have interviewed at this point about 35 candidates uh, for office, whether it's congressional uh, offices, that's another uh, area where it's all border, border, border. Uh, but I've, I've interviewed uh, uh, candidates in every area, and it's, it's a sincere thing. I interviewed a, a, a candidate the other day um, who is running uh, for Congress uh, against the uh, incumbent congressman, Greg Stanton. And this is a, a, a man whose family is originally from Mexico. And uh, I, I, I was impressed with the level of, of just uh, – uh, the, the the how important that issue was to him and his family that's largely from Mexico they want the border closed. This is not a case of where they want to see people coming into this country through the back door. They want it shut. Uh, he also works uh, with uh, uh, women who are survivors of uh, sexual abuse on the part of uh, the cartels. Um, this is a, there, there are palpable aspects to this here. It's not just people filing through the border and then somehow, uh, getting on a truck and being able to be taken somewhere else. They are living with this.
1: So the uh, the Biden administration, they talk about um, uh, the polls are very, very, very dismal for Joe Biden as president. I'd imagine uh, he and his administration are not all that popular right now in Arizona.
4: No, in fact, the, uh, the two Democratic senators have uh, come out uh, against his handling of the border and. Uh, and asking for more border security, it, it is a it is a major issue here at the, in Texas uh, uh, as as well, uh, and of course the uh, the, the, the tractor trailer truck with fifty three people in it the other day, which is just a, a, a mind numbing uh, event in terms of how those people must have suffered and died. It is it, it, there's just uh, it, it is just the word is palpable. Uh, and people are not at all happy with the Biden administration. There are other things they're not happy with the Biden administration about, but they are really not happy with the border issues because this is ground zero for it
1: and that's why I asked you the question and uh, because in many parts of the country uh, the immigration issue is not that big a deal because it's far away and uh, or at least they think it is it's obviously not far away because it affects the entire nation so I'm I'm particularly um, uh, pleased that I'm able to tap into your experience with it this week so folks living in uh, New England or uh, you know the, the 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 Midwest can have insight into just what it's like to be as you say ground zero uh while i have you another uh minute or so um are people talking about something that is far away for people in arizona and that is the the russia ukraine war is uh is is there room for that in in the in the conversation on your station
4: yeah absolutely it's an important issue uh a uh, very important issue to me when you were on with uh, with me on KFNX uh, a month or so ago uh, you and i spent a great deal of time talking about that i think it's receded from the headlines a little bit but the the uh, brutality uh, of, of what putin is doing in the eastern ukraine area right now said russia is not fighting a ground war they're just bombing Uh, those sections of Ukraine into submission. It is unacceptable. And the free world um, and the civilized world simply cannot allow him uh, to be successful at this in the 21st century. Not that it would have been good in the 17th century, but this is not how we should uh, settle international disputes Uh, At this point in life
1: the um, the conservative movement seems split on it Uh, Most conservatives agree with what you're saying. However, there is a subset that says uh, we should be staying out of foreign um intrigue and you know foreign entanglements and that we should not be sending money in arms to ukraine because it's money down the hole and uh, there's not much we can do and uh, we're dancing with uh you know the possibility of especially with nato now expanding uh possibility of a nuclear war what's your response to that
4: well the two things with uh, with this government we've got a lot of money down the hole but to, to me the the stark reality of a country that was at, at peace relatively prosperous people were in, in the weeks leading up to it the, 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 you, you were hearing that the uh, the invasion was possible and the people in lvivs and Kyiv were <laughs> were going about their lives and uh dining out and, and and then suddenly their country is is uh is is being brutally attacked I, I, in, I know it, it, it's something where people want to stay out of foreign entanglements because we certainly have had enough of them, but this is a case of where a people uh, have been virtually, virtually raped by another country, and in a civilized world, we simply cannot let that stand.
1: That's Bill Brady, who hosts a daily show on our Phoenix, Arizona affiliate, KFNX, in addition to being the station's hard-working, locally-based owner, a rare and cherished breed in this business. Coming up next, a look at issues impacting talk radio conversation in the Big Apple. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. Greetings, fellow radio lovers. Thank goodness for C-Crane. C-Crane specializes in high-quality radios and radio-oriented audio products. And now, C-Crane carries their very own CC Solar Observer. When the power suddenly goes out, and that happens a lot these days, do you get that sinking feeling? Do I have a flashlight? Do I have a radio? The CC Solar Observer, AM, FM, and Weather Radio will keep you informed during and after a powerless event. And it doesn't require electricity. C-Crane CC Solar Observer can be powered by the hand crank, solar panel, or common AA batteries, has a built-in flashlight, and has the ability to charge a smartphone in a pinch. I recommend it. To order the CC Solar Observer, call C-Crane now at 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863, or visit ccrane.com. Use promo code TALKERS22 for limited discounts until July 31st. Continuing now with the Independence Day weekend installment of the Michael Harrison Rap. Crime and violence seem to be spiraling out of control in our nation's major urban centers, and New York City is certainly no exception. We caught up with talk show host Mark Simone of WOR Radio. The shooting of the the, the 20-year-old uh, woman pushing a uh, stroller uh, is in the news. Some of the details are not clear, but uh, I'm sure that kind of struck like a bombshell in Manhattan?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not sure it looked kind of execution style, what the relationship was with that woman and uh, who knows who, but uh, it's going on all the time. It's, it's constant here. Our former police commissioner, Bill Bratton, his wife was assaulted last week, knocked down on the street by somebody. Uh, even she wasn't safe. So it's going on all over the place. The problem is it's now in every neighborhood in Manhattan. Uh, bars, restaurants are now hiring their own security uh, New York City police are the best in the world, but they're handcuffed right now. There's not much they can do They're being held back. We have a crazy district attorney who's letting criminals out. We just had a shoplifter got caught. It was the 100th shoplifting arrest. And believe it or not, after the 99th, they were let out again. Uh, so it, it's the same, according to police people, it's the same two to 3,000 criminals over and over again doing all of this crime. And they know who they are. They could go get them in one week if uh, somebody just gave them a go ahead.
1: So, so the issue in New York, and I'm hearing this uh, in terms of urban centers around the country, is a combination of the police being restrained and uh, I- incredibly incompetent district attorneys. I- is that, in, an, in a nutshell, the real crux of the problem?
5: Yeah. And uh, not so much incompetent, but crazy, lunatic district attorneys. The district attorney in New York day one put out a memo saying we don't put people in jail no no carceral sentences which means no prison for just about anybody it used to be when they uh, went to where the robbery was at the store they'd get the video the surveillance and then they'd take that and try to identify the criminal the cops are tell me now whenever they get there and look at the surveillance they know the guy it's somebody they've already arrested 20 times in the last six months so uh, all they can do is arrest him and the guy will be out in a couple of hours and They just keep arresting the same people over and over again. Got to get rid of these district attorneys. The governor can fire this district attorney. She just won't do it now. It's too uh, much of an election problem for her. But hopefully after November, somebody will get elected that will fire this district attorney and put in somebody tough on crime.
1: Are there support for these DAs? Is is there any kind of political base for this type of ridiculous? That's crazy.
5: It was all caused by George Soros, who did this in 26 different cities. Philadelphia, St. Louis, there's a number of Los Angeles, San Francisco. Uh, It doesn't cost that much for a a district attorney's race. Sometimes a million dollars can change the whole race. So he contributed to these 26 candidates that he picked, a couple hundred million that he put into this, and they're all crazy. They don't put anybody in jail. The one in San Francisco is the one that just got recalled. Mm It was one of these George Soros-funded DAs. They're pretty close to doing something about recalling the Los Angeles one. New York doesn't have any recall provision. Only the governor can fire him. But uh, one by one, we've got to get them all out of uh, those 26 cities. And he chose 26 cities that uh, affect 75 percent of the U.S. population.
1: Why do you think George Soros would do that? I mean, we know that Soros is supportive of Democratic candidates and left wing politics and all that. But why something so ultimately self-defeating?
5: There are people that want him hauled in front of some congressional committee, put under oath and ask, what the hell were you up to? And what is your interest in Philadelphia? And why were you worried about a St. Louis D.A.? And some think he's just maybe that, uh, you know, much of a bleeding heart. He doesn't want any criminals put in jail. Or there's some that think it's just uh, his evil plot to make, bring down a democracy by creating this uh, chaos. And some think uh, that type of Democrat, they're really extremist. Likes this kind of chaos. It makes people more dependent on government. Uh, who knows? Hmm. Who knows what he's up to?
1: Would you agree with me that that woke crowd on the left is just as crazy, if not more dangerous, than the the, the nationalist zealots on the right that um, are giving conservative politics a bad name?
5: Oh, absolutely. I, I don't worry so much about the zealots on the right because there's very few of them. And they're generally out in rural areas or wherever they are. But these zealots... On the left, this woke stuff—just the crime situation—is a great example. And it's not just New York; it's every city in New York State, Rochester, Albany, Syracuse—huge crime waves everywhere. Um, you, you know, those are the people who claim to be concerned about the poor, the middle class—they're getting killed by this stuff. Not only the inflation, uh, the gas prices—it's just destroying their budgets and their pocketbooks. But the crime—it's just—it's—it's just. It's, it's just awful what's happening and people are fleeing cities businesses are all losing money because people are especially the suburban people afraid to come into new york anymore so it's got to stop i mean we've seen cycles like this in the past and hopefully that's what it is a cycle and it'll turn around at some point
1: that's insanity
5: well i'm talking about really high-ranking police people and they've all agreed and told me that they know who these criminals are. It's about uh, 2,500 people. It's the same, I mean, they can look in the computer. It's the same criminals over and over again. They know every one of them. They could literally round them up immediately if they got the go-ahead. Think you know, about there's, that. This guy's like a, Rudy Giuliani, controversial. I understand some people you know can't stand him. But the guy is an absolute world expert, the greatest expert in history and how to get crime off the streets of New York. The fact that this mayor hasn't called him and said, could I just come talk to you and meet with you for a while? It's horrifying. Call Ray Kelly, call Bill Bratton, go meet with him. Mm -hmm. If you were elected mayor, if I were elected mayor, it's the first thing I would do.
1: Oh, definitely. Without questions, you know, street safety. And it's so fixable with today's with today's surveillance and technology. um, If, in fact, what you're saying is true, and I have no reason to believe it's not. A purposeful effort on the part of the police and the D.A. could clean the crime up in in a matter of a month or two. That would be it. Done. Yeah. I talked to fellow New Yorkers and the ones that are still living in New York. I'd say half of them are in some kind of denial. Oh, no, no, no. It's not as bad. It's the press blowing it up. It's safe in the streets. It's getting better. You know, never bet against New York. It's on the rebound. Things are getting better. We got a new mayor. That, that's that's uh, delusional, isn't it?
5: Well, I agree with the never bet against New York, but when they talk about comeback, it could be four years or five years or whatever. Yeah, this, I mean, this mayor, he's a great talker. He looks great. He's very slick. He is not a crime fighter. Believe it or not, we, we had the worst mayor ever before, Bill de Blasio, worst mayor of Nashville, crime, totally out of control. Since this mayor, Eric Adams, has taken over, crime is now 40% worse. How could you take over from the worst crime ever and get it 40% worse in just six months? It's really something to worry about. This is scary.
1: That's talk show host Mark Simone. He's heard daily on WOR. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. The January 6 televised committee hearings were a big buzz in the talk media world this past week, highlighted by former Trump administration aide Cassidy Hutchinson's damaging testimony linking then-President Donald Trump to the Capitol riot and alleged plot to overthrow the election. Joining us now is our Washington, D.C. correspondent and a former White House senior reporter currently serving as executive director of the D.C. radio company, Victoria Jones. So, Victoria Jones, there's uh, talk about uh, there being a fireworks shortage this year because of uh, China, the main supplier of American fireworks, is having their own supply chain problems or something to that effect. However, you're in Washington, D.C., and uh, this past week as uh, the televised uh, January 6 committee hearings rolled on i guess there are enough fireworks there to keep the place popping throughout the weekend regardless of china what's the what's the what's the talk i mean you you served about 13 14 years as a senior white house correspondent what are your old buddies saying uh, both in the press and in politics about um uh, Cassidy Hutchinson's, you know, blockbuster performance this week
0: at the hearings. You know, it's really fascinating because both things you mentioned are hot topics in Washington, D.C. this weekend, both the fireworks shortage from China which I'm hearing about in DC because everybody's a bit outraged about that because of course China you know said to have invented fireworks so I'm hearing about that from everybody and also the January the 6th hearings because nobody saw this coming. Cassidy Hutchinson wasn't even like a, 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 an expected witness, certainly not a bombshell witness, and there wasn't even supposed to be a hearing until after July the 4th. So it was a lull, it was a quiet time, it was all nice weather, and then boom! Mm. Firework. Mm.
1: Mm. Yes, fireworks indeed. Do you, do you think that it was planned that way? Uh, to, to lull everybody into thinking nothing was happening and then all of a sudden the surprise episode and uh, witness? Or do you think it just, you know, happened by happenstance?
0: Well, she'd been obviously talking to the committee and to a num- you know, lawyers and people like that. I think there may have been a number of factors. One might be to protect her. She's obviously going to receive death threats and she's obviously got to be kept safe. Two, I think they did not want leaks. They have um, a network news, uh, like one of the most senior network, former network news people in the country advising them on how to. Put these things on so that there's a beginning, a middle, an end. There's a storyline, and to do them in two hours. You've seen these hearings that go right into the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. You've noticed that these are two-hour hearings.
1: Yes, uh, th- and 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 the fact that there has been a consultant, uh, a a network television programmer, organizing this, has been um, a point of criticism. By uh, Trump supporters that um, that this is just a TV show. It's based upon uh, tapping into emotions, manipulating the truth and uh, basically using the power of television to create yeah. a scenario that uh, whether it's true or not is secondary, because that's the criticism that people who are um, ardent yeah. Trump supporters are saying.
0: Exactly. And of course, the power of television is a very important power. And it's the kind of thing that gets people elected president and knowing how to manipulate things. And, uh, you know, different politicians are very good at it. Um, and it's very, very rare. Actually, this is very interesting that uh, a Democratic led Committees, And in this case, there are two Republicans on it, but Democratic-led committees or Democratic anything, Democrat in terms of the party, do any of these things well. They usually really mess them up. And it's Republicans who are much better at staging.
1: That's true. So this is a dose of uh, the Republicans are getting a dose of their own their own medicine Um that, look, there's two angles on this. One is each side claiming the other one's playing dirty, and then there's um, who's dirtier in terms of the actual deeds that are being presented, uh-huh. and, and and the the deeds presented are are shocking. You know, I'm always saying seeking victory at the expense of truth. And I also use another term in my my basic mantra about this subject. I I say cherry picking, meaning you you find the stories or the aspects of the narrative that support your point of view and you ignore the others. Because there usually are two sides to every story. But then again, sometimes there isn't, you know. That's true. Am I right? Sometimes there's just, you know, um, a crime. yes so yeah. um so look I mentioned earlier and I, and, and you know I, I don't want to embarrass you but you're an incredible insider you you know everybody I mean you know everyone you know reporters you you know presidents um what's the feeling do people feel that this is damaged I'm, I'm not asking for your opinion uh, uh, what are you hearing from from Republicans Democrats etc liberals conservatives what's the general vibe of the Washington insiders to whether or not this is damaging to trump or as some people say nobody was watching nobody cares america's moved on what do
0: you think no the the sense is not that everybody has moved on the sense is that this was absolutely riveting um and that uh, they can't wait for the next episode to drop also that um really the detractors are pointing to the episode in uh in in, in the uh, it wasn't the beast it wasn't the limousine but the episode with the secret service as saying ccc see, 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 she got it wrong well that was one episode and it was something she did not witness so that's the sort of he said, she said, that's the one, that's the weakness. But that would point to another possible, very exciting set of testimony from the Secret Service agents. So people are saying, well, let's have another episode then. But the, the point is, there's a lot of quietness, a lot of silence from some Republicans who are saying, this is bad. Let's not say much. And I would
1: think among the Republicans, there are many who are quietly saying to themselves, this is great. Because now maybe our guy or our woman or, or me, I yes. can run for president and, yes. and not have it be a given that Donald Trump is the king. Uh, I, yes. I would think Ron DeSantis is watching this with great glee.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. There's enough. Oh, this is, this is like jam. This is Jello. This is ice cream for Ron DeSantis. That's
1: our Washington correspondent and executive director of the D.C. radio company, Victoria Jones. Coming up next, another wild conversation with Todd Feinberg. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap.
6: This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public.
2: G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis.
6: In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit genesis2project.com.
1: Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. I had the opportunity to be a guest on Todd Feinberg's show a couple of weeks ago, something that I've been doing for years on a regular basis. Todd is the most influential political news talk radio personality in the state of Connecticut. He's heard daily afternoons on our affiliate, WTIC. We received such positive feedback to an excerpt we played from that conversation on last weekend's program that we decided to dip into it again this weekend and play another segment. Todd and I were talking about how politicians from both parties tend to provide cosmetic remedies for the really deep problems facing society, so they give their constituents the illusion that they're getting things done when they are really not. For example, President Biden's recent promise of a three-month gas tax holiday makes it appear that he cares and is taking a dramatic step to alleviate inflation, when in fact, when you add up the numbers, the impact would be minimal to non-existent.
7: So I, I want to share a little sound clip with you that I've been playing this week because I was so excited to hear it. This is um, Ezra Klein, who who is a columnist for The New York Times. He's liberal, highly intellectual guy, and he's honest about public policy even though he he has his own preferences that that lean to the left and he was talking about how how Democrats are not effective leaders of Democratic policy when they get the chance and and the reason why I think is is the interesting part of this but but listen to this clip if I've got it queued up correctly I think it is a mistake liberals make that they see a problem and they're like we should pass a bill and then if the bill passes, people think the problem is solved, but it isn't You know, the stimulus of 09. It was supposed to build a high-speed rail, electronic health records, and a smart grid where it's marquee projects. We don't have high-speed rail, we don't have a strong national system of electronic health records, and we don't have a great smart grid. So there's a real problem here. I think one thing that opens the door for populist outsiders and demagogues and, and just the right more generally is when liberalism just kind of fails. It fails to deliver. Like California is a hotbed of democratic talent. But I think it's gonna be very hard for executives from California to run nationally because California's become unaffordable for people. So that's just a little sample of him looking. He says that because of the regulatory schemes that Democrats favor, that they can't get their own policies passed like environmental things get blocked through all these court cases and things that they've allowed through through the regulatory scheme and I think this is interesting in terms of what you were saying at the beginning Michael that that there's all this posing going on what choice does a politician have if he can't actually execute policy
1: but to pretend to be doing things to help people exactly now maybe this has been going on for, 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 for decades and and we're just becoming wiser and or or it's more profound today so it's easily to define it's easier to define it but it just seems to be across the board and the system um, of politics the the partisan system is uh... politicians particularly in congress and even presidents are beholden to their parties they they have to worry about how will this play among the party leadership? What will this do to my term in Congress if you're a new congressman mm-hmm. or you're, you're a senator? Um, they, they play to each other. Yes. And um, they oust you. They destroy you. They attack you. They take away your power, your leverage, if you don't play the game. There's no leeway anymore. And and that's why things are breaking down. And uh, the average citizen doesn't really know what to, what elements to look at and how to judge progress as a result, it just gets worse. The rhetoric is wonderful. I mean, we hear all kinds of great <laughs> ideas, you know, oh, how the, you meant wonderfully volatile and entertaining. I, I remember a, a term that was used by a, a Republican conservative president, um, compassionate conservatism. Yes. Uh, I think that was George, De- the, the idea of compassionate conservative conservatism. That's a great idea but but i've never seen anybody do it nor have i ever seen any liberal really help anybody but the party the ideas that these people stand for are wonderful it's like branding without packaging without any content you open the box there's nothing there but the box is really pretty and it's got great logos and great designs that's what all of this has become
7: yes i liken it to having rice cakes for lunch you can do a (laughs) lot of chewing (laughs)
1: but not get much in your stomach exactly you have this hope that the country the United States of America is self-correcting there's a term keep that in the back of your mind you're gonna hear more of that self-correcting that everything is going to be okay because it always works out and these are not the worst of times there have been far worse crises in American history we're going to be fine but that's a very dangerous way to think Because if we don't think of crises as crises and we don't see challenges as challenges and just think they're going to work themselves out as forces of nature, the way storms end and the sun shines again, well, uh, then we may as well just give up any impact, any democracy, any leverage we have in guiding the ship.
7: Well, also, you've got to be careful with the interpretation of words. We tend to talk past each other because we, we're using words that are so general or so overused that they've lost their meaning. We don't really get what we're saying. It seems to me this crisis is different in that it's a crisis of failed government. So we have these uh, mechanisms of our system of government still visible. We get to see people running for office. There are elections. People take office. They've made promises along the way. And we think, Because they've made promises and then passed that legislation that something's been changed, when in fact maybe it hasn't, because we've got a breakdown of our system, that the
1: efficacy in the system is no longer there. I see it even deeper than that. I say we have a breakdown of character, that that our values as individuals, that our values in this society... Um, have broken down and that's why we don't hold the politicians accountable our education has broken down our Attention span has broken down our concerns are no longer focused along a healthy spectrum of social issues and political issues We're self-centered. We are um, back. We want to win we we don't care Um, What the consequences of victory are we want to win as opposed to better things we are angry at others We blame others and we're fearful of others and I see this across the board all sides I don't see I don't see conservatives being true to the American conservative movement anymore at least the the ones who are leading it I I don't see liberals at all being truly caring people. I see them as intolerant hypocrites and um, I find that um, it's idiotic that, that if you're a thinking person, and believe me, there are many intelligent thinking people, and I'm sure we have a preponderance of them listening to us now, it appears as though you're surrounded by idiots. And and it's not just it's not just in the political discussion. I love that you're saying this, Michael, because I think it's so true. That's an excerpt from a conversation that took place between me and talk show host Todd Feinberg of our affiliate WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut, in which I served as a guest on his show. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. We have time for one more. It's Independence Day weekend as we celebrate another year since the historic signing of the Declaration of Independence way back in 1776. Joining us is a nationally respected scholar of history and economics, college professor and author, Dr. Murray Sabrin. Dr. Sabrin, I want to wish you a very, very happy Independence Day weekend. And uh, as a, um, a leading spokesperson for uh, libertarian ideology and uh, certainly American history, I would imagine that uh, the 4th of July and the Declaration of Independence have particularly special meaning to you.
3: Well, not only does the Declaration have special meaning, but as a naturalized citizen, the Bill of Rights has special meaning, which is sort of the implementation of the Declaration of Independence regarding how the government should treat its citizens. And if we followed the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independent principles, we would be in much better shape today instead of having this all-powerful federal government that we now see in Washington, D.C.
1: You, you you bring up something interesting. You are a naturalized citizen. I, I, I've known you for many, many decades. But just a, a minute or so about your background. Well, we came here in
3: 1949. I was two and a half years old. My parents were the only ones in their families to survive the Holocaust. So on August 6, 1949, we arrived in New York City with my older brother. We were met at the pier by... Uh, my mother's aunt and uncle from Patterson, New Jersey. That was our first connection to New Jersey. We visited them often. They became citizens in 1954. And five years later, my brother and I became U.S. citizens. And uh, as time went on, I started reading the uh, Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And I said, this is what America is all about. Freedom, liberty. We When we... Uh, sailed up New York Harbor in 1949, there was the Statue of Liberty. It wasn't a statue of authoritarianism. It wasn't the statue of entitlements. It was liberty. And unfortunately, the people in Washington who make our laws don't appreciate that fundamental principle that founded this country.
1: And you said something interesting. You said that you don't think that the politicians in Washington are aware or concerned or conscious of just what the Bill of Rights and the, the Declaration of Independence were all about, and that is to, of course, maintain America as the land of the free. Do you think that this is a recent development? Is this a trend? Or have uh, politicians always been that way? And this has always been a struggle in our history.
3: This has been throughout American history, Michael. If you go back to the founding uh, of founding, uh, of America, there were people who wanted to use the government for their own special benefit. That was with the Federalists. That's that's what Alexander Hamilton and the rest of them wanted. They wanted to use the Federal government to get special privileges that they could not get in the free market. And That carried through the 19th century when we had contentious issues with tariffs and immigration and and money and banking. And then the progressive period in the late 19th, early 20th century really established the principle that Washington, D.C. is going to rule the people rather than the ruling themselves. And through the past 100 plus years, we've seen the steady encroachment of the federal government on the lives of the people and business.
1: Now, looking back then uh, to the original politicians, and I put that in quotes, the, the founding fathers, the men that got together in Philadelphia on a hot series of days, and they drank a lot of cold beer although I don't know how cold it was because they didn't have refrigerators in those days. I mean I picture a bunch of a bunch of you know semi- drunk landowners and, <laughs> and, and, and and rich guys getting together. think about this hashing out some type of a uh, a, a situation and a strategy to uh, create a nation, freed from what at that time was the most awesome military power in the world that's what that's what great britain was correct i mean they were an awesome international military power it was they they were bigger than russia is to ukraine <laughs> absolutely <laughs> to, to, I mean... to, to us to, to these little <laughs> colonies and now here's the part murray that is so striking to me and i and i want your response to this they signed a document that was almost impossible to succeed with that, that that, that it was not a good bet. And as a result, they, if it didn't work out, they would die. They would be hanged by their necks until dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did that happen? Well, Well, you know what I'm saying? How uh, that goes against everything we know about those type of people.
3: Well, this is this is the amazing thing about the founding of the country. These were people, young men. Jefferson was thirty-three when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Biden uh, can hardly speak a word uh, in, in his seventies uh, in an articulate way. Th- these were people schooled in the classics. They understood what what it meant for government and the people. To be in harmony, and that meant that the people would be in charge, and the government would be the protector of people's rights, not the not the uh, abridgment of people's rights. And so they got together and they said, "Here are all the grievances we have against Great Britain, and we want to secede. We want to peacefully secede from Great Britain." But it didn't come to pass, and so we had a bloody uh, a revolutionary war. Uh, and the only reason we won it, and not because of standing armies, is because of guerrilla warfare. That's something that American people don't understand. Guerrilla warfare really works well against the foreign power. As we saw in the Vietnam War, it was the guerrilla warfare that basically got us out of Vietnam because we couldn't conquer the, uh, the Viet Cong and, and North uh Vietnam. And so th- there was a lesson militarily from the American Revolution. But more importantly, it was the idea of liberty that permeated American society, where people said, we don't want to be ruled by three, by uh, a king 3,000 miles away. And therefore, let's establish a confederation of states that would live in harmony and not be subject to a foreign power. And we would not be entangled in foreign affairs overseas, because that's what gets to the ultimate destruction of uh, people and property, war.
1: That's Dr. Murray Sabrin, Emeritus Professor of Finance at Ramapo College in New Jersey and nationally respected expert on libertarianism. Check out his many books on Amazon.com. That's Dr. Murray Sabrin at Amazon.com. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap. An overview of the National Conversation, looking back at the week of Monday, June 27th through Friday, July 1st, 2022. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the National Conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at michaelattalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening.
0: The Michael Harrison Wrap is a production of Good Phone Communications presented in association with Talk Media Network and Talkers Magazine. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.